It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome into the program. Good morning. Happy Thursday to you. Beautiful day out there to get you started. And Kate got us started there with a story in the news. Uh, I wasn't aware of this. This is the first I've heard of it, but I just popped up an article here about the Conjuring story becoming a series, I think what they mean, and and I, I, I don't blame the entertainment publications, the news wires, all of the folks that are writing up these stories, but I don't think it's going to be a continuation of the story of the farmhouse. That story is pretty much told in terms of kind of a serialized story unless you know they want to do like a reality show of what's going on there now because i've been there i've been there three times now and i've had interesting experiences each time but i think what it, what's really going to happen here is that it's going to be the continued story of ed and lorraine warren the famous demonologists and paranormal researchers who investigated the conjuring house and who are kind of the center of that Conjuring universe. So I don't think it's going to be like, you're not going to get a whole series. And this is going to be on Max, which is what HBO Max is going to become when it merges with Discovery+. Plus. They're just going to call it Max. Which I think if you are HBO, like if you're people who have been involved in HBO for years, that's, that's something that might stick in your, in your craw a bit because... Even though HBO owns Cinemax, they've owned Cinemax for as long as I can remember. It's still kind of that prestige of having HBO in the name. But anyway, because, you know, they've tried to create HBO as being like this standout network. And by the way, speaking of which, yeah, everybody's watching Succession. It's a great show. I enjoy it a lot. But don't sleep on Perry Mason. They moved it to Monday nights, which is usually, it's, it, it could be two things. One, HBO doesn't really believe in the show anymore, and, you know, they, they ordered the second season. They didn't like what they got, and so they're going to put it on Monday night to die. Or they're trying to continue, they've been trying for years to build a Monday night block of where, you know, it becomes the same thing Sunday night is. It just hasn't worked for them. So, But anyway, it's a great show. I like it a lot. But the idea of having this continuing series of the conjuring story it's unfortunately it's not going to be a local fo well i mean there might be some local focus ed and lorraine warren looked into a lot of cases in new england because they lived in connecticut so there's a lot of case files i'm sure from from the new england area that they could cover if that's how they're going to be pulling the story ideas if they're just going to be making stuff up that's a, that's a whole different story. 
And the Warrens have become problematic in the paranormal world in recent years. Um, it was discovered or it was reported, I should say, that although they're portrayed as this, this you know, loving couple in the movies, in actuality, they were a thruple. There was a third person in their marriage for like 40 years that moved in with them when she was, I think, 16. So, eh. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see if there are some New England stories that are told in that series when it comes out. And it's kind of cool because the Mac service in having all the access to Discovery Plus, they can have the fictional show and they can put a bunch of like reality show, like, you know, the paranormal reality shows that have featured Ed and Lorraine Warren or featured some of their cases or gone to the Conjuring House. They can kind of merge all that together because they have all of the access to that from Discovery Plus. So, yeah, kind of a cool idea. Speaking of horror movies, I went to see Evil Dead Rise last night on a uh, invitation from my friend Amanda, who is a social influencer, as they say. So because she is an influencer, she gets invited to these screenings, and she asked me if I wanted to go to this one with her, and, uh, and I went, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the movie. I love the original Evil Dead movies. I love the Ash versus Evil Dead series. The remake or reboot or whatever you want to look at it as that came out 10 years ago, I wasn't too impressed with, so I didn't have high hopes for this, but it was, it was better than that one was. So we can, I, I'll give you a little bit more insight on that maybe as we go along. And I want to talk about that Frederick Douglass story too, because that's a head scratcher for sure. But right now we have a phone call on the line. So let's go to the phones and 508-996-0500. If you want to call in, good morning. You're on WBSM. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, this city is a head scratcher. <laughs> I won't say anything else, but um, you're talking about those um, movies like The Conjuring, Amityville Horror, uh, The Old Author, Hans Holzer. Mm -hmm. They proved the majority of those stories to be a hoax. That's for not true. Tourist no, that's Amityville, not true. Amityville Horror is a hoax. It has not been proven to be a hoax. The only thing behind it was Ronnie DeFeo took a 30-30 and shot his family. The, the only thing that indicates it being a hoax was that William Weber, the lawyer for Ronnie DeFeo, made claim that he came up with the whole story about the hauntings with the DeFeos over three bottles of wine. Uh, I'm sorry, with the Lutzes over three bottles of wine. And the Lutzes have um, denied that and then instead have said that that was just something he was trying to use as a way to get Ronnie DeFeo an insanity defense. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Everybody that's lived in that house ever since has said there's been no hauntings, nothing. Right, but that doesn't mean that the Lutz family didn't experience something. <laughs> I don't buy it. Did you ever read about the Lutz family? Uh, I've been studying the case my entire life, yeah. I actually know a member of the Lutz family. He's a friend of mine. Well, okay, then I don't really want to go into their garbage, but I believe they're both dead now, aren't they? Uh, the parents are, yes. George and Kathy both passed away, and both of them yeah. maintained both of them maintained until they died that what happened was true. Well, unfortunately for George Lutz, he had PTSD from Vietnam. He's a Vietnam veteran, so maybe the PTSD was getting to him. I don't know. 
but I don't believe these stories. I believe in ghosts, but I don't. I don't believe in these conjuring and. You might as well just say the exorcist was real. Actually, that's supposed to be real too. It's 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 loosely based on a true story out of St. Louis. Yeah, it was a little boy. It wasn't a little girl. Right. They changed it to try to because at the time. They weren't open and public about the case, so they were. They changed the details to try to protect the identity of the boy. His name was Roland. Was that, what year did that movie come out? Seventy three. I, I think the book came out in seventy two, and the movie was seventy three or four. I don't remember off the top of my well, head. Well, for that time, that was brilliant. Absolutely, it still my, is a brilliant. Well, movie. It, it is. Except I showed it to my son a few years ago. They had the Exorcist TV show, and and my son and I watched it together. He really enjoyed it. So I said, "Well, I'm going to show you the original movie." And you know, so at you know, twelve, thirteen years old, however old he was when it came out, you know, my wife was like, "Are you sure you want to show it to him? If he has nightmares, it's on you." And I said, "No, it's fine. We're going to watch it like on a Saturday morning, where he's had you plenty of time to forget about right it." Bit. He, when it was over, he looked at me and said, Dad, that was the cheesiest movie I've ever seen. None of those effects looked real. <laughs> That's because things have gotten a lot more glory since 1973. Sure, and, and CGI has helped make it look a lot a lot scarier than it did back when it was practical effects. Yeah, Jason Voorhees. No, I'm losing you there. You're cutting out on me. Oh, um, Jason Voorhees, a leather face, was the start of the... Uh, Gory, real gory movies. Probably Jason Voorhees. No, it would have been Leatherface with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's kind of what. Yeah, gave, the first one. You, yeah, yeah. you could say you could go back to Psycho in 1960 and say that that was kind of the first slasher film. But when it comes yeah. to adding all the gore element to it, that was Toby Hooper with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Although yeah. there were a lot of like grindhouse films and and uh, movies like that 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 did show. You know, gratuitous amounts of blood and gore, but you know it was kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that that gave birth to that slasher genre. And they were shocked in 1960 because they had the shower scene, and you can't see anything in that shower scene. But I guess for 1960, yeah, that was very nudity. suggestive. Yeah, <laughs> that's at, at a time when you know Lucy and Ricky slept in separate beds. So yeah, and Ward and June and all them. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for the call. Yeah, but I, I kind of can't take credit to the Amityville. You're friends with somebody, so I'll give you credit for that, for believing that. I don't believe in it, and I definitely don't believe in the conjuring. They would call, though, too, the investigators that have that doll. Oh, I, I know the person who was involved in the conjuring haunting as well. Oh, geez, you know everybody. Well, I've been in the paranormal world for 20 years. <laughs> it is interesting stuff. You got to in, listen I'm on more. Saturday nights. That's when we talk about this stuff. Uh, what time? Uh, 10 p.m. Saturday nights. Uh, I'll be there. Spooky right, South Coast. Good morning. All right, you as well. And you can also check out our Spooky South Coast podcast wherever you find your podcasts. So if you... And no matter what you use to get your podcast, if you just go there and type in Spooky South Coast, you'll find all 600-plus episodes. I think we've got almost 700 episodes out there now for you. And many of them deal with the Amityville case because it's something I've been obsessed with my whole life. So we've talked to... Caller, hang on. I'll get right to you. We've talked to... Uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned, I'm actually friends with Christopher Lutz. He now goes by Christopher Quarantino because after his parents split up... He went uh, with his mother's maiden name or his, his father, his birth father's name, I think it is. 
So Chris Lutz, I'm friends with him. Uh, we've talked with Laura DiDidio, who was the reporter who was covering both the DeFeo murders and the Lutz alleged hauntings. Uh, of course, I've had Alexandra Holzer on many times. Her father was Hans Holzer, uh, who investigated the Amityville house. Um, who else have we had related to Amityville? Ryan Katzenbach, a documentary filmmaker who doesn't believe in the hauntings himself, but dove into what happened with the DeFeo family and uh, and some of their connections to the mafia and all of that. So uh, Jackie Barrett, who became the spiritual counselor for Ronnie DeFeo when he was in prison. So it's... And, and, and I had the opportunity to take part in a documentary about the Amityville case that's on Tubi. You can watch it for free on the Tubi app. But they actually brought me to Amityville and had me sit outside the house. And, and Stephanie Burke, my psychic medium best friend, she, her and I sat outside the Amityville house and we tried a couple of experiments and she connected with the house psychically. And, you know, it's, it's something I've investigated my whole life. And the Conjuring house, you know, I know all the people that were involved in that story. Um right down to the initial investigators who called the Warrens in. You know, so it's, there, there's a lot to these stories. Now, do I think it's dead people that are haunting everything and causing everything to go on? No, I've, I've never been convinced that that's what a ghost is. But something happened to these families that lived in these homes. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Good morning, you're on WBSM. Morning, Tim. How are you? Good. Um, have you ever been to the Wamsutta Club in New Bedford? I have, many times. Yeah, I, I heard that place is pretty haunted. Yeah, so I, when, um, when I've gone, I've never had the chance to really poke around to investigate. I've always gone because there's a there's a wonderful group of women called the Saturday Club that has been meeting for like 150 years, on uh, one Saturday a month, and they bring in guest speakers, and they've had me come and speak a couple of times. Yeah, so I, I funny story, I, well, not funny story, but quick story. I used to, I used to work for Pepsi, and um, I had a, a delivery they had me do after after hours. I ended up bringing it home in my own, in my own truck, and... I live in Fairhaven, so I just drove right there and dropped it off. But uh, the chef had me bring it into the basement. And, I mean, you want to talk about, like, you know, pretty much like underground tunnels. You go under there, and, I mean, the, the, the place is huge. And uh, it's, it's barely, t- you know, it's, the, the roofs are tall. You know, the, the stone, it's all built right out of stone. You know what I mean? It's all blasted right out. Mm-hmm. And uh, original foundation and everything. And, I mean, you can't even stand up straight in that in that basement. You have to hunch over, you know what I mean? And. The tunnels and rooms and all kinds of awe. It's unbelievable. I was scared to go down there myself, and I'm really not even, I'm not that, like, scared of, like, ghosts or nothing like that, but it's like, I got that creepy feeling, man. Your hair starts to stand up on the back of your neck. Sure, you're like, oh, yeah. shit, you know? Have you, but, um, uh, have you ever been to the Quickishan Club in Fall River? Quickishan Club. Uh, no. I don't know Fall River uh, geography very well, but it's, it's like, kind of right in the downtown area, kind of near the PAL Hall, next to the Verizon building. And that that building is really haunted. And so the, the really? person who's the manager of the of the Wamsutta Club, Cindy, she used to be the manager over at the Quickishan Club. And so we, we went in there and did a couple of paranormal investigations of that place. And th- that place definitely had a lot of activity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've really never been into it too much, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, after listening to your show for you know, quite a while, I'm kind of getting, getting interested in it. You'll, you'll have to come out and do a ghost but, hunt with us sometime. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to listen. How do you how do you find out about those? Uh, I usually talk about them on on the air. I can't I can't really promote them too much yeah, on the radio I because I, I make money off of them. So, right. But we right. um, yeah, we, I'll keep my ear out. We definitely we definitely have enough stuff going on that you can you can come out and hang out sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, All right. right, cool. Thank Appreciate you. Thanks, have a good All day. Right.
And uh, we can continue discussing this if you want. I just I just wanted to to bring it up because Kate brought it up in the news. Uh, but certainly, uh, <laughs> this is uh, getting some app chat messages on uh, about this. Uh, HT New Bedford practical effects over CGI all day. And you know I agree for the most part. Um, I I like the fact that like you can CGI in animals. And so like if you want a scene where there's you know like look look at that show The Umbrella Academy. They have a, 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 a monkey, a chimpanzee, who is part of the, the, the cast of the show. And, like, he has to talk and all that kind of stuff. I'm glad they use CGI to do that instead of, like, trying to manipulate an actual chimpanzee's lips to move. You know, so that, that makes for a better, I think, experience overall. It's like uh, that movie Hot to Trot where they had a talking horse. Nobody ever saw this movie, but Bobcat Goldthwait and uh, Don the Horse, who was voiced by John Candy, and he says to him, he goes, you know, you've never seen a horse that can talk before or something like that? And he goes, what about Mr. Ed? And Don the Horse says, well, you, you'd move your lips too if somebody shoved a carrot up your butt. So <laughs> I hope that there's, you know, not that going on with animals. So it's kind of fun when you see it used correctly. But when it comes to, like, good horror effects when it comes to good sci-fi effects i love the fact that the mandalorian series uses predominantly practical effects uh that that i think is is, you know really shows craft and dedication not that the cgi stuff doesn't take work and and artistry as well but and i think actors probably prefer interacting with something in front of them rather than a green screen and then uh, Danny New Bedford says, now this is my type of talk radio. See, I'm not so negative. I love it when you talk about old stories, hauntings, and food. Which, let's face it, Dan, eventually I get around to all three of those things anyway. 508-996-0500. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. is uh, my paranormal band, EVP, from our one-night-only performance uh, covering Spooky. And this was at the what was then the Water Street Cafe in Fall River and later became known as uh, Boneheads Live and was recently sold, I believe. So that building, right, right down there across from Battleship Cove underneath the Braga Bridge, uh, certainly had some activity going on in it. That's the first place i ever held a paranormal event ghost hunt slash dinner type thing and we we performed a couple of songs because at the time i thought that i knew how to play bass but you can hear how horrible the bass is in that but anyway uh, i thought of that because john the caller before mentioned the tunnels in the wamsada club and there's a tunnel underneath this building underneath the what was then the water street cafe and 
we got to go down into there and like a, a, ex explore it as part of the paranormal investigation. So definitely a, a cool place. And uh, I kind of miss, kind of miss the, the boneheads experience and all the chicken wings. My son, when we did the, the hot wing tour, which you can read about at WBSM.com, just go into the search bar there and uh, search hot wings because we spent about a year going around all the different restaurants that claim to have the hottest wings and he would try them all. And he deemed Boneheads the hottest of all. They're Hell's Bells wings. But now they're out of business. So anyway, 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. So uh, we were talking about the story that, that Kate had in the news about the Conjuring universe, uh, the Conjuring film universe now being turned into a TV series for Max, which will be the name of the combined HBO Max Discovery Plus um, shared streaming service and i'm not sure all the details on that i know that you know right now i get hbo max for free because i'm a subscriber to hbo so i hope that's still going to be the case and i'm just going to gain all of that discovery plus stuff that i i tried out on a on a trial basis but didn't keep because i didn't think i would watch it enough to justify even though it was like four or seven bucks a month something like that but a lot of those shows that i worked on <laughs> that i worked on behind the scenes and worked on um in front of the camera and, and appeared on, they're all on Discovery Plus. So people find those all the time and are like, oh, I watched you on this. I watched you on that. Thank you. Um, but anyway, I'm still proud of the fact that people, people like to watch the Monster Quest episode from the History Channel that we did at Lizzie Borden's. And I'm, I'm proud to say it was the lowest rated episode of the entire series. Because the people who were into the monsters didn't want to see about ghosts. Uh, but I want to go back and talk about something else. I want to talk about that Frederick Douglass sign. So you can read about it and see the photos at WBSM.com and on the app. This came about from a conversation I was having with our digital managing editor, Phil Devitt. One day we were just in the conference room talking about some stuff. And, uh, and he mentioned that this sign that he noticed years ago that the sign for Frederick Douglass Way at the corner of Middle Street, there's two signs. So in, if you go down alongside the Elm Street garage on the west side of the, the garage, there's a portion of a cushioned avenue there that has been renamed Frederick Douglass Way. And there's a sign at the corner of Frederick Douglass Way and Middle Street and one at the corner of Frederick Douglass Way and Elm Street. The one at the corner of Elm Street was correctly spelled Frederick, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K. And, of course, Douglas is with two S, two S's in, in Frederick Douglas. On the other side, on the Middle Street intersection, the sign there was spelled Frederick, F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K. Now, that's not an uncommon spelling mistake when people write the name Frederick down, because we say Frederick, but it's actually Frederick. So it's not an uncommon misspelling, but you would think that when somebody's putting up a street sign, they would have checked their work, especially since somebody got it right on the other side, but this one wasn't. And the more I look at it, the more I wonder if like somebody thought they could just kind of abbreviate it and then nobody would notice because it's a lot of letters to try to squeeze into the small sign. So Phil told me that he'd seen it like that for years and he didn't know if it was still like that. So I took a road uh, ride downtown and I went down there and I noticed and I took some photos and sure enough, it was still saying Frederick, not Frederick, Frederick. 
So then I come and I go back on Google Maps because you can. There's a ability to go back and see how far back the different Google Maps photos go from Street View. And in that particular location, it goes back to 2012. In 2012, the sign was wrong. So now I'm starting to think the sign must have always been wrong. So doing a little digging, I found out that the that portion of the road was dedicated in 1996, which means that for 27 years, that sign was incorrect. So when Phil told me about it and I went down there and I saw it for myself, I emailed the mayor's office right there from the, my, my parking space at the meter alongside the Elm Street garage. And I said, you know, were you aware of this? And um, well, what would be the process of getting it changed? And so the mayor's office emailed me back and said, that is one of the street signs that they have planned to have new historical looking signs which I'm sure you've seen, you know, in other spots. And so this is going to be replaced and it will be spelled correctly and it will be put up within six to eight weeks. And I said, okay, well, you know, if you can get me some more information about it and, you know, when it's going to happen exactly and all those kind of things, I'd like to come down and take photos of it when it's, when it's up. And so I was checking in with the mayor's office for follow-ups on that for the last couple of weeks. And I reached out, I believe I reached out again Monday and said, you know, just any, any update on that. And they told me that it was going to be replaced. No, this was, I'm sorry, last week I'd reached out and they said it'll be replaced within a week. And then yesterday when the mayor and, and public information officer, Holly Huntoon came in, Holly said, the new sign went up this morning. So I went over there and I took the photos and it's, it's not a historical sign. It's not one of the, the historical looking signs. So my guess is that that's still coming, but that this might have been a, a temporary fix until that new sign comes or until they get to that portion of, you know, re, renaming all the signs because now the city knew that it was spelled incorrectly and they wanted to correct that problem. But I think it's odd that, you know, there's, I, there's no social media posts that I saw about it, no Reddit threads about it. Nothing I could find online from anybody that had ever pointed that out before. I put the story up and some folks who have worked over there have said, yeah, I, I always noticed that. Like one, one person who worked in the Times building there said, yeah, I used to work in that building and I would see that when I would go outside for lunch and always wondered why didn't anybody fix that. But I guess nobody had brought it up to the city's attention until Phil pointed it out to me and then I pursued it for a story. So, see, WBSM affecting change again. In the community, which I just, I find it weird that nobody really noticed that in all the, all these years. I mean, I guess it's a, it's not a, I would assume it's not a, uh, it, it, it kind of is a well-traveled road. Because every time I've been down there, I've seen a lot of cars come through. Because if you're coming from the Octopus and you're trying to head downtown, you know, a lot of people take Middle Street, go down Middle cut across Frederick Douglass Way to get onto Elm and use that as their entryway into the downtown rather than staying on with it be County Street and going straight and so I think I think that people have probably driven by it a, a whole bunch of times and, and never really caught their attention. But now it's fixed, now it's changed. Now Frederick Douglass is happy. I think that um it's you know it was again it was probably just a, a, a space issue I would think more than anything. Because you see that happen in some of these street signs. 
where they can't fit all the letters that they need to, so they abbreviate something. Like uh, Charles, if it's Charles, you'll see them put C-H-A-S, period. So there's maybe, I'm, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and think somebody ran out of space on that sign, but if you got, got one right, can't you get the other one right? I would assume they were both made at the same time. But anyway, it's right now. I just hope that when the statue comes, please double check your work. Double check your work. I can't imagine that the you know historical society uh, in, in putting together Abolition Row Park, I can't imagine that they, any of them would, would not catch a misspelling of Frederick Douglass. But still, just please double check your work because it's a lot harder to change things on a statue than it is on a street sign. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, Mr. Weisberg. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, since you're into ghosts and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard about the Winchester House in California. Yeah, the Winchester Mystery House, they call it, yeah. I have a dream of going there someday. Huh? I've, I've seen the documentaries and the books and how she had the stairs built going all the way up and there was nothing there but a wall. Mm-hmm. Doors that go nowhere. Her. and Yeah, the workers thought she was nuts, but they were getting paid. So and I, I, and she, they said she did that because of uh, she felt bad about all the people that were uh, shot with her husband's Winchester gun, and she wanted a place for the spirits of those dead people. That's the story I read. And and so that is the legend that has kind of popped up around that. And I I've done some digging into this, and I have friends who have researched this, and I I have friends that actually live out there too. And so a lot of that has kind of become urban legend. They think that what, what, what might have really happened is that Sarah Winchester had all these grandiose ideas of adding on to the home, but then ran out of money. So they would start construction on a certain project, a certain idea, and then they wouldn't complete it. So the workers had to kind of seal that area off. And then she'd say, well, let's go do build something over here. And then they would start doing that. And then that wouldn't get finished. So they would seal it off. So some, some folks think that it has to do more with, you know, her state of mind, being in, I'm going to do all these grandiose plans that I can't afford to complete and that her own kind of, you know, mental illness made her want to do that as opposed to it actually being some sort of um, spiritual um, concern. Yeah, I actually never heard of that. That's part of it. Yeah, I haven't read all the books, but, you know, I'm sure it's out there because you read it. Yeah, I think it's a newer, it's kind of a newer approach to it. They would like to go and see it, wouldn't yeah. you? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, when they I go out a, there, that's one of the first places I'm going to go. Yep, they have tours on a daily basis. I don't know how much the tickets are right now, though. I, th- I don't think it's that expensive. There's also, there's a mansion in uh, Worcester called the Bull Mansion. And, you know, of course, the Winchester Mystery House, Sarah Winchester, that's the family of the Winchester Repeater Rifle. But the Bull Mansion is one of the... I forget if it was Smith or Wesson, but it was one of the two. And so that place is haunted as well. And the, they think that it might be haunted by some of the folks who were killed by the Smith and Wesson firearms. So it's it's yeah. kind of a similar East Coast version of the of the Winchester Mystery House, although they don't have any, you know, weird doors to nowhere or staircases that don't go anywhere. Too bad it's too far away. The only way I'll see that place is if I win the lottery. I was lucky to see Lizzie Borden's house. I'm happy with that. Have you ever been to the con? Have you been to the Conjuring House in Rhode Island? 
No, I haven't. I want to. That's a fun day, and it's it, they give you like a two-hour tour, and it costs twenty-five bucks. You know, it's like you know, for a little bit more than it costs you to go to see a movie, you can go and mm-hmm. walk through this historical home and hear all the stories. And then they usually give you they give you about twenty minutes or so afterwards to kind of poke around and do a little investigation for yourself if you want to. Well, let me ask you this: Will they let you bring a camera in? You can. Yes, you can't record the tour. So when they're when they're talking about all the things that go on. They don't want anybody to record that because then people steal the information. But they yeah. they will let you go around and take photos, all the all the photos and video that you want uh, during that free roam period. I don't understand steal the information. The information they have has to be out there. Where did they get it? No, because sometimes on these tours, like they'll share personal experiences, things that have only happened to them. And so they don't want that being something that people start working into their tours. And plus, you know, when tour guides, when the tour companies write these tours, you know, it is, even though they're taking known stories, their, their their way of telling them might be different from one to the other. And unfortunately, so many of these tours just outright steal from each other. So that's why people get really protective about it and they don't want to have them recorded. So if you, with the, you know, all the things that you do, if you did go, go out there, I hope you make a big deal out of it. You're going to be able to make a video out of it that we could see? Uh, well, when I go, if I go to the Winchester house? Yeah. Oh, of course I would, yeah. Looking forward to that. I hope you go pretty soon. <laughs> I hope I get there. I, I have a friend that lives. I have a friend that lives out there, but she's moving to Minnesota in July when she retires. And she keeps telling me, if you can get out here by July, you'll have you'll have a, a free place to stay oh, out here. Come on, aren't I, you gotta go? I don't know. The plane tickets are way too expensive. Uh, well, if I could send you there, I would. I appreciate that. Okay. You have a good day. You as well. Take care. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Didn't mean to hang up on you there. 508-996-0500. I would love to get out to the Winchester Mystery House. I've been out. I've I've been to California once, and it was for basically like 48 hours. I don't even think it was a full 48 hours. might have been 36. When I flew out to film my ghost story, they had me out there talking about my experiences at the Lizzie Borden house. And so they flew me from Boston to L.A., and my first time ever being in an airplane, by the way, I was 35 years old, never been in an airplane. My first first flight was cross-country. And my friend Jeff Belanger, who went with me, thought I was going to freak out once I got up in the air. And I was no, I, I love flying. So we, um, we went out there. We filmed immediately after we got off the plane. They brought us right to the studio. They had us film our thing. And then our plane wasn't leaving until the next day. So was it the next day? Do we have? Yeah. So we ended up going to a haunted bar at night. And the restaurant from the Big Lebowski. And then the next day, I think we got up and went back. So maybe it was even less than, than 24 hours. But it was, it was a very quick trip. And it was our own fault because they told us they were going to send us out there for three days. But it would have been the weekend that the Patriots were in the Super Bowl the second time against the Giants. And we said, no, 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 we have to be home to watch the Super Bowl. So they flew us out early Monday morning instead of sending, it out, sending us out uh, Friday afternoon. So our own fault. 508-996-0500. going to take one more call, then I'm going to take a break. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Spooky Tim, how you doing? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm great today because this is the first time I've ever heard you play Spooky on your show. It wasn't the original Spooky, but that <laughs> riff is kind of bam, 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 bam. It repeats over and over again. That's kind of Spooky in, in and of itself. So Absolutely. I, I was very happy to hear you play uh even though it wasn't the original one. Even though it was my, my band's crappy cover? Well, that's cover. okay. Well, hey, <laughs> you covered it, so it goes to show you know There's not too much music you don't know of, uh, for, for sure. There's, there's things that you play that I know, and, and there's other things that you play. Uh, where do you get that from? And it's 
terrible, but some of us are very good. So, <laughs> but I was happy to hear Spooky play Spooky. Okay. All right. That's Have all. a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. Maybe, maybe we'll play the Classics 4 version at some point to kind of redeem ourselves a little bit there. All right. I got to take a break. 508-996-0500. You can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app, or you can hit us up uh, on Open Line on the WBSM app, and we'll play that on the air. We'll be right back. supposed to sound <laughs> wouldn't mind a spooky little girl for myself but anyway 508-996-0500 uh, or hit us up on app chat on the wbsm app like alan somerset did he says tim the hottest wings i had was from wings on tame street they turned my lips white i brought some extra sauce home and spilled it on the grass when i got home and it burned the grass that's how hot it was these that's how hot these wings were so the hottest wings that i ever had were at Wendell's Pub in Norton, which for years everybody said was the the hottest wings that you could find. And I don't know if that's necessarily still the case, but everybody touted them as having the hottest wings, and I heard one of my favorite radio DJs talking about it. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to go and try these out for myself. He was talking about how he has to go home and sit in a bathtub full of ice before he eats them. I said, these got to be some serious hot wings. I'm going to go try them. This is when I was in my early 20s, and I certainly had much more of a cast iron stomach than I do now. And so Matt Costa, my, my friend from Spooky South Coast, the two of us went and we ordered the wings, the suicide wings, they called them, and they were supposed to be the hottest ones. And uh, I asked for them boneless. And the woman yelled back from the kitchen, I can't do suicide wings boneless. And I was like, why not? She said, because it'll be too hot. You'll bite into it and without the bone to stop you. It's too much. I was like, I don't care. Do it anyway. And so she's like, all right. So she made them and sent them out. And I don't know how many there was in the plate, six or eight or whatever. I picked up the first one and I just put it to my lips. I didn't even bite it and swallow it. Just putting it to my lips. It was too much. I couldn't handle it. I was like chugging down water, asking for milk, asking for bread. Like I just couldn't do it. And uh, so we ended up, I brought them back with me. At the time, I was working at the diner in, in Wareham at Mill Pond Diner. And I put them in the back fridge where um, we kept all the stuff for the cooks to work with. And so I put them back there and one of the dishwashers is like, what's that? And I was like, well, it's supposed to be the hottest wings around. He goes, oh, really? I'm going to try those. I bet you they're not that hot at all. And this, is, this was the next day after they'd been in there for 24 hours. And you know how it goes when you have something spicy and you put it in the fridge. It only gets spicier. So he's like, ah, that's fine. And he took it and he bit into it and he ate the whole tender before he really could taste it. And then, of course, he just, he lost it. And so when my son and I did the, the tour, we stopped at Wendell's. We finally went to Wendell's. And the first time we went there, they actually had one that's spicier than the suicide wings. I forget what they call them. But so he ordered, he wanted to get those, but they didn't have it. So he settled for the suicide wings and they didn't have the right peppers to make the sauce. So he settled for the suicide wings and he ate all of them and said they were like nothing. 
like they they were hot, but that they weren't the hottest he ever had. So then we went back a few months later, and he was able to get the supposed hotter ones, and he said that they were hot, but that they still weren't as hot as the Hell's Bells at um, at uh, Bonehead. So I think I think they were actually I think he rated them number three in terms of hotness, but you'd have to go back and look at the Hot Wing Tour, which you can find. You can go into the search bar at WBSM.com and type in Hot Wings, or you can just search Hot Wings WBSM, Hot Wing Project WBSM, and you'll find it. All right, I got to take one more break. We'll be back in just a few moments. All right, we have just a few seconds here before we're going to go into the